Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Indeed, welcome to The Inner Life. So glad you could join us today, because over the next hour, our task here is to help one another along in this journey of faith. That's what we do each and every day here on The Inner Life, and I'm glad that you could join us for this hour in front of us. My name is Patrick Conley, in again for Josh Raymond. I host a local show for the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis called Practicing Catholic. And if you'd like to, you can find out more about that show and listen to podcasted interviews by going to practicingcatholicshow.com, practicingcatholicshow.com. And I also help out from time to time here on The Inner Life, where I'm happy to be again today as we take up the topic of outreach to the poor, outreach to the poor. In this time of year, of course, we're especially encouraged to give and to give charitably, particularly to those who are in greater need. But how do we do that? And perhaps more focused for our time together here on The Inner Life, why do we do that? How does that help us in our journey of faith? Here to help us tackle those questions is our spiritual director for today. Please say hello with me to Father Robert Blood, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, and currently serving as spiritual director at St. Edward High School in Elgin, Illinois. Father Blood, welcome to the program. Thanks so much. It's great to be with you. Yeah, it's good to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. I think this is the first show you and I have done together. Is that right, Father? I, I believe so. I believe okay, so. It's all right. a joy but, to be with you. Yeah, thank you. But uh, I have some ties there to the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, and I hear you went to seminary there at uh, the St. Paul Seminary. Is that correct? I did. I spent four awesome years up there. I hear you guys might be getting hit with some snow right now, huh? <laughs> well, you know, just uh, it's it's par for the course. It's December, and, and uh, yeah, that's what happens is, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, the the weird stuff was um, the you know the wind that we caught uh, here just the last couple of uh, well really the last day or less than day that Glenn was just talking about there on the news but uh, but everything uh, at least in our little section of the world is going okay today and uh, I want to start out Father by talking it is it is Advent and uh, you know this is a giving time of year even those who don't. Um, aren't uh, Catholic, who don't really pay much attention to the liturgical calendar. They know that this is a time of year for giving. And, um, yeah, a lot of our hearts are turned specifically to those in greater need. Why don't you kick us off today with just a, a general reflection on why, maybe especially this time of year, but really all times of year are appropriate to give and give specifically to those who are in greater need. I think there's a few reasons why in Advent we, we maybe uh, hit the gas pedal a little harder with our generosity, and I, I think some of it's very practical. For many of us, you know, our part of the world, the winter time, it's a little colder. We, we notice that the need for those who, who find themselves on the streets is, is greater, and, and maybe that kind of uh, dings our conscience to realize, like, oh, I, I need to step up in this time. Uh, but also, 
Christmas. It's a time of giving in general for, for even secular folks. It's a time where we, we give for our family and friends and, and also the reminder it's, oh, it's, it's a season of generosity. Mm-hmm. Well, how can we tie this into the faith or how maybe is the Lord calling us to integrate this natural spirit of generosity? And I think it gets to the essence of what is Advent, right? We're preparing for the coming of Christ. And in a certain sense, Christ shows us what it means to to be poor. He comes in humility. He comes as a child. He comes in need, right? There's no room in the inn. Uh, and he gives us that example of uh, having need. And mm. yet uh, he's the God-man, even the greatest among us, uh, allowed himself to be in need. And so when we see him, uh, we see the poor. And when we see the poor, we should see Christ. Mm. And I think he's in- inviting us uh, to really delve into that spirit, that mm. he wants us to be a part of his coming into the world, even through uh, simple generosities, right? Even uh, toys for tots, or maybe you have a giving tree at your parish, but some way to mark that right now, Christ wants to enter into the world, and we get to be a small part of that. Mm. Right. Now, just to pick up that that line of reasoning there, Father, I think um, I, I'm not disagreeing, but at the same time, I think for a lot of us, especially those of us who you know have have worked for a good portion of our lives and have uh, earned our wages and earned our money, when we start reading some of the things, we start considering how Jesus kind of gave it all up, and as you said, came into our world as as a very humble infant laid in all places in a feeding trough, um, right? And so um, we start looking at that, and then we start seeing verses in Scripture like, you know, unless you sell all your possessions, you cannot be my disciple. And uh, Jesus talking with the rich young man and saying, you know, one thing you lack, go and sell all you have and give to the poor and then come and follow me. Um, it just seems to me like uh, it raises a little bit of nervousness. Uh, is is this is this really the requirement? And uh, are we called to imitate Christ's humility all the way to divesting ourselves of all of our material resources? I think that zone right there of nervousness is is a healthy place to be. Um, I don't think he wants us to 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 you know in a sort of immature way cast off everything so then we become the one who. Uh, now is is begging on the street, but I think he is calling us to have that total gift of self, to realize that everything we do have has been given to us. Because really, how close are we to being the one who is poor? I ask the question, how did I get to this place of comfortability that I'm in? Well, that's because of the generation of gener- generosity of God before uh, me. And so I, I think that sort of tension that he offers is important and for us to continue to have that interior dialogue with the Lord. Okay, what is it that you're asking? What specifically, tangibly are you asking me uh, to let go of? And I think we don't like the idea of being uncomfortable. We don't like the idea of being... <laughs> well, I sure don't. I can tell you that. <laughs> fair enough. Or, or being challenged like, oh, am I not mm-hmm. good enough? Mm-hmm. And I think there's, even on our best day, we're still going to be lacking. And I think we have to be honest about that. I'm, I'm never going to be as generous or as giving as, as I probably should or could. But every day, do I at least make the effort to be open to the voice of God and saying, maybe maybe you don't need that second coat. Mm. Maybe you can look up and give that smile to the man on the street, uh, to hear that, that intimate call from the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good and wise words there, too. And I like that. I like the way you put that, that, yeah, that that kind of zone of uncomfortability about that um, is a good place to be and that uh, there's always another step to take. 
in terms of our own total gift of self. Uh, at least there is in my life, and I I can only presume that there are for a lot of us out there as well. Our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life is Father Robert Blood, and he is the spiritual director at St. Edward High School in Elgin, Illinois, as well. Uh, and we are talking about outreach to the poor. So is there a time when you were in need, perhaps? Someone helped you? You were maybe in need of money, of companionship, of shelter. What was that experience like? And did you sense an encounter with God during that moment? Um, you know, uh, we'll ask a little bit later on about people's own stories about giving. But, um, yeah, was there a place where you were in the need, in need and you received through the provision of God uh, made active and alive in your life through another uh, human being, another human person. Give us a call. Join the conversation, 888 Again, 888 We'd love to hear your story here on The Inner Life. Well, Father, um, as we're continuing down this road of, of considering Jesus' own humility, and especially around this time of year and and this giving season is where we, where we started off and that sort of thing, it uh, it can be. I mean, one of the ways that uh, I have frequently partaken of myself, as well as some of my friends and loved ones and that sort of thing that I see that they do, is they might give a gift to a charity in you know as as a way of expression of of gratitude. You know, give it in in somebody's honor or in somebody's memory or something like that, which I think we can agree is a good thing to do. But then I turn over to the pages of Matthew's Gospel, specifically chapter twenty five. And I'm looking uh, at at Jesus's words. This is the sheep and the goats passage of whatever you did to the uh, you know least of one of these you did for me or you did it to me. And I'm seeing a little bit more of a personal connection there than just simply writing a check. You want to go into that a little bit? What what's going on with this personal connection with those who are in greater need? I think the closer we can get to the heart of the poor, uh, the more we can encounter real humanity, uh, real healing, real fulfillment. Now, if, if what you have is, is the check or, or, the, or the gift to give to a charity, beautiful. That, that's a wonderful place to be. And, and I think the church is asking for that generosity. But also, if we can take that step deeper um, to actually see the poor where they are and their need, I think that does something in our own hearts. It almost softens us to the reality of the need because it's easy to, to kind of check a box to say, I've done my charitable giving this year and right. I'm ready to move on. Well, the poor are still here. We, we've given our gift because uh, it's Advent and yet there's still uh, people in our own community, our own neighborhoods, our own towns who are in need. And I don't think the Lord wants us to, to get off so easy. He wants us to, to really be honest about the sharp need. Um, and so I, Sometimes it's hard because we don't know how. Like, what are the opportunities? At the high school, I'm in charge of the service hour program, and they're always asking, you know, Father, what, what can we do? What program? Who can I connect with? And, and sometimes it can feel daunting. Where, where am I supposed to go to, to meet these poor that we're supposed to serve? Right. And, and I think sometimes we just have to kind of open our eyes to our own community because it's there, right? You might see somebody on the street corner, and it's easy to kind of keep our head down. Right? Even if you don't have money to give, a smile, a connection, a, a human touch uh, to those who are in need is something. Or even for those who aren't monetarily poor, right? there are a lot of folks in our own community who are both lonely or isolated or forgotten. I, I think of all the, the poor folks in nursing homes and hospitals over the last few mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. What are the ways that we can actually allow our heart to speak to their heart? 
in a way that is real and tangible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think that there is uh, there are m- uh, just a multitude of opportunities surrounding us uh, when we do, as you suggest, Father, open our eyes to those possibilities around us. And uh, yeah, whether that's... Uh, as you say, in nursing homes, in uh, maybe shut-ins, and maybe places where people aren't aren't uh, out and circulating about. So, uh, and I think uh, I think too, our local parish might be a good place to start asking asking our our pastor. You know, where where can I help? Where, where are people need in need of food, companionship, shelter, whatever it might be. All right. Well, again, our spiritual director today, Father Robert Blood, and and you, uh, have you had a chance to uh, to receive from others? Were you in a place of need? Give us a call. Tell us your story. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. I'm just looking at a passage from the Catechism here, Father, and it says, "Love for the poor is even one of those motives for the duty of working." so as to be able to give to those in need. I hinted at this before, but I'm I'm wondering, it seems like the catechism is tying together a love for the poor, and that's part of our responsibility for working. So I think a lot of us understand for providing for our loved ones and providing for our family. But um, I don't know, it's, it seems like it could sound a little suspicious if you're saying, well, I got to provide for everyone else as well. So, I mean, isn't money that I make my own? In a certain degree, yes, right? You, you've earned it. You put forth the effort. Uh, but I, I love that you pointed out we work so we can provide for our family. Uh, is our family just those who live under our roof? I think that's an important question to ask. Uh, who is your family? Nice. Right? Um, is it uh, the people in your local neighborhood? Is it every baptized person? Is it every person created by the hand of God? And that sounds incredibly daunting, right? And, and I, I can say we only have so much to give, and it can feel almost futile. Well, if I'm supposed to provide for all these people, there's only 40 hours a week that I work. But I, I think it's where's your piece of the pie? Where is the place where you can actually participate in the good of your family? Mm-hmm. And, you know, John the 23rd said, you know, at the end of the day, this is your church and I'm going to bed, right? We, we <laughs> right. do the best we can. Right. Um, but, but also, again, to feel that pressure to say, like, I want to work hard for those in my community, um, but realizing we only have so much to give. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's, uh, I think that's something good that we need to recognize as well, that uh, there is a need for us to recognize our human limitations. And that's, that seems to be part of, of, uh, of giving as well, is that in some way in giving, we also recognize uh, how in need we are. I mean, you tied it together before, Father, about how everything that we've received is a gift and that or everything that we have is a gift. We've received it somehow. I mean, St. Paul goes into this as well, right? But, um, but it's, it's something that helps us to understand our need for generosity. Yeah? Well, um, thank you so much for uh, tuning in here to The Inner Life. If you have a way that you have received from someone, that you've received the generosity of God through another person, please give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. You can also send us an email if you'd like, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We are going to take a short break, but we'll be back right after this with more on outreach to the poor. Stay with us. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Oh, come all ye faithful. 
joyful and triumphant. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. Glad to be with you again. Our spiritual director today is Father Robert Blood from the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, and spiritual director at St. Edward High School in Elgin, Illinois. I don't know why I keep stumbling over that, Father. It seems like every time I've said that, I have uh, stumbled over that. Uh, And actually, let's start there. Um, I'm just curious, Father, if uh, as you've um, been in this role as spiritual director at a high school as well, have you seen generosity in and amongst the high school students that you provide direction for? Frankly, they've blown me away. uh, In a parish, you know, you have different events throughout the year, and, and that's beautiful and good. But it seems every other week the school has some sort of club or group who is um, either gathering to, to, to gather things for, for families in need or they're going to be you know going out on a Saturday to, to help provide it a you know a soup kitchen um, and what's beautiful is it you know the administration and the teachers have been generous with their own time and have really set an example for for the students and, and this is my first year here so it's just been really edifying to see the church at work. Even for some of the young people who maybe don't have a deep integrated faith, there's something in them that says, this is right, this is good. There's something natural in our soul about how we're created that wants to give forth. And so it's really been cool to see the youth, the future, and to kind of step up into that role of of being Christ. Yeah, and I think sometimes as uh, youth, what I've seen, at least in my interaction with them, is that um, maybe they're not so deeply into that, uh, into their careers or whatever it might be where they, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe they have a better insight into, um, yeah, all I have has been given to me. Um, now that's not to say that young people don't work and they don't uh, earn, you know, earn their living certainly. But, um, at the same time, uh, I've seen some youth and young adults who are in that stage of life where they are just, uh, it, they're just like a sieve with material resources. It just comes to them, and they're just fine turning around and giving it away as well. So, yeah, I it's a it's an example to us all. Well, uh, let's uh, let's go to the phones. Actually, we've got Jerry who's calling in from Silverton, Oregon. Jerry, Jerry, welcome to the Inner Life. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. What do you have for us, Jerry? Oh, oh! I didn't, I didn't know what you wanted me to say. Uh, well, I, I was in a car wreck a couple, of, and I have a broken neck, and I'm blind, and I have a broken back, and crushed leg. And when I was 19, I had ulcerative colitis, and so for 12 years I bled with that. And so I've had a life of pain and suffering. I can't do anything without help. I'm with a broken back and broken neck, and I'm blind. I, I got to have help. And so I'm glad you're getting young people that are interested in the church because there's a big gap with with volunteers. It seems like there aren't very many because <laughs> um, I'm here alone every day. Let me ask you this, Jerry. Did you uh, did you uh, receive any particular help, or have you received? Has somebody reached out and really been Jesus to you in the midst of all this suffering? Well, I have a relationship with Jesus, and he himself has, but as far as people, no. <laughs> um, that's what I'm saying. Uh, there's a big gap in volunteering. And actually, the older people volunteer. I get meals and wheels, and it wasn't for them volunteering for that. I'd probably starve to death, but mm. they bring me food every day. <laughs> okay. 
Well, that seems something. Father, yeah. what what about that? I mean, just in, in volunteering and doing this kind of organizational uh, volunteering as well, it doesn't always have to be just us doing it on our own, but, you know, bonding together with others, right? Exactly. And and, and to realize, you know, Jerry sharing with us is a real need and, and maybe even a lacking of um, volunteers and, and generosity to to be reminded that, okay, there is something that needs to be done. Um, but it is hard, right, to find those connections or find those places. But uh, like you mentioned earlier, being able to connect with your pastor or even just reading your bulletin, checking bulletin boards, and just asking the question, you know, what is happening in this town? Uh, what's, what's going on? Where's the need? And, and just kind of make those connections. And, and I found with especially, you know, service, it's like dominoes that fall. Uh, you you kind of step into one role and then you, you meet somebody else who works with a different program and they just kind of fall. And then you realize, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm stretched a little thin. There are a lot of places to kind of uh, participate and share in, but it takes that first step of vulnerability to say, okay, I'm going to make the phone call. I'm going to send the email and we're just going to try to meet with some other brothers and sisters in Christ and, and just give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, let me ask you one, one other question here. Um, we've got another phone call to get to, but let me ask you this. Um, so in the, in the midst of, of your being in, in laid up in this kind of a situation, um, do you have any specific prayers that you like to say? You said you're enjoying a personal relationship with the Lord. Are there any, any prayers that you turn to in the midst of these times? Oh, um, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me Psalm 25, so I've been memorizing that Psalm. It's a lot of fear I've had, and and dealing with, um, I had an abusive alcoholic father, and so that's why after I was 19, I got a um, ulcerative colitis, which is a fear-based um, disease, and lived okay. in fear. <laughs> and okay. um, but when you say, you know, look, check the bulletin boards and this and that, when you're blind, it's really hard to, and I can't leave the house, so I can't, I don't meet people. It's really, it's a difficult place to be. <laughs> Yeah, it sure is. Well, our prayers are definitely with you, Jerry, and I, I can uh, I can only imagine some of the things that you're going through. And pray that your your parish family really comes around you during this time. That Psalm 25 continues to be a balm for your for your soul, as well as uh, and and then maybe the the people around you can be um, can aid you in in physical needs that you have as well. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, thanks for calling in, Jerry. I really appreciate the, the time that you've taken. May God bless you now and always. So let's go from Jerry in Oregon to Jane, who is calling in from St. Paul, Minnesota. Jane, welcome to the program. Hello, this is Jean, actually. But, Jean, um, yes, sorry. Yes, that's good, you're close. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say that 50 years ago, my husband was in treatment. Yeah, I went into treatment for drug and alcohol abuse. And we had four small children, uh, ages two to nine. You know, and now, look, I'm 50 years later, and I still remember this. But anyhow, so he went. He was in treatment in Mandan, North Dakota, and the Salvation Army came and gave him a little, what looked like kind of like a Bible with a bar soap in it and a little cover on it. And, you know, but that meant a lot to us later. And then friends came over, a friend of ours came over and brought gifts for our four children and spent some time with us in this chaotic household that we were in at that point. And um, uh, just all of those, uh, so many people reached out to us and were so very kind to us. I remember that deep in my heart yet, and that is 50 years ago, 
and now we are celebrating 50 years of sobriety and thanking God for that. And um, just, but just those little things, it was such a critical time in our life and just so crazy. But people reached out and were so very kind in the church, especially and we were in Al-Anon and AA and they were helping us. But um, I just want to say that just, it didn't take much, but just something was very appreciated by us. So, um, that's what I, and that's what we do now too. We reach out to others the same way. Yeah. And that, and that's beautiful to see that, that what could be a very small action came at a critical time, right? Just a docility to the Holy Spirit that they felt to, to share in that moment. And then to see, you know, 50 years later, um, that's, shifted even your own perspectives and the way that you encounter those around you. And it, it's beautiful how uh, the love of the Lord, this charity we talk about, continues to uh, travel and be shared. And, and it can be hard, I would imagine, in those difficult moments even to receive uh, those little things. Did you find that to be the case when, when you realized things were hard and, and you were kind of experiencing the chaos at home? What was kind of your perspective on on the receiving end? Was it was it, were you surprised to receive? Was it difficult to receive? What, what was kind of it your experience? Was, it was, yeah, I would say it was it was hard to receive. But all I could think of was someday we're going to be through this, you know. And with the help that we received and from just God's grace and all these kind people, I knew that we were going to make it through somehow. I just had that feeling, and uh, so it took a while to get to get back on a stable uh, situation, but. But we did it, and uh, with a lot of help, a lot of a lot of work on our part, um, and you know, like I said, fifty years later, and living in sobriety, it's it's wonderful. So with our family, beautiful. Yeah, absolutely wonderful, and it's it's a great story of receiving, uh, Jean, and and so grateful that you called in and shared that with us today, and and again to see the long term effects of that help, and I love what you said about it. It uh, doesn't. It doesn't necessarily take much. It doesn't mean a huge, necessarily, it doesn't mean a huge investment in any one particular occasion, but uh, simply taking a bit of time, perhaps a bit of resources to make somewhat of a difference in somebody's life and, and look where it can bring somebody 50 years on. So wonderful, Gene. Thank you so much for calling in. God bless you, and uh, may you continue to enjoy this Advent and Christmas season. Well, if you'd like to call in and tell us about a time that you have received, or let's uh, let's turn that around as well now. let's uh, If you've got a story of a time that you gave and saw that giving make a huge difference in somebody's life, if there was some even small way, just like we heard from Gene, some small way that you gave and then suddenly just God blessed it and multiplied it, we'd love to hear your story. Give us a call and join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Well, Father, while we're um, waiting for other phone calls to come in here, um, just wondering a little bit about, and hopefully this isn't the way our phone calls go, but um, you know, sometimes we can, when we start giving, it seems like perhaps the enemy can get in there and start inflating our ego around our giving. In other words, our generosity kind of uh, serves to puff us up, and that certainly is not the, the end call of generosity. But what can we do when we start feeling those uh, holier-than-thou type of feelings when we're being generous? 
Yeah, I think the first step is to go back to to what we said in, early on with uh, who placed us in this position uh, to be able to give, right? Always in the perspective of uh, without Christ, we have nothing. Uh, so that's a good thing to kind of lean back onto. Uh, and then second, uh, to talk to them, right? To actually take that step further from uh, just kind of giving and running uh, to have a conversation uh, with those that we serve because we realize how fragile our own um, humanity is. We recognize that uh, how close are we to being in need, right? Some folks I, I've, I've met with uh, in, in my parish work, they come in, Father, you know, I, I just lost my home. But six months ago, I had a house, I had a job, everything was fine. But, you know, let's say a family member got sick and everything kind of fell apart. It's so fragile. And so uh, to continue to have those conversations, to realize that it's a privilege to get to know each and every soul, especially those who are in need. Um, but also, I think it's okay to be joyful in giving. Hmm. Uh, we, it could easily be mistaken for pride. Like there's a certain level of, wow, like that was beautiful and that was good and I did something. And that can become pride, but it also could just become an honest rejoicing in generosity to say, you know what, I it was hard, I didn't want to do it, but I felt the Lord ask and I did, and that's joyful. Mm-hmm. I, I think about uh, some of the folks I know back home who so generously volunteer for, for so many different organizations, whether it's through the parish or there's a place called Carpenter's Place that just so generously cares for families in need. And uh, to see those people is to meet somebody who's deeply joyful and rejoices in the work that they're doing. And it's not prideful, but it is a confidence that we're doing what Christ is asking. And that's yeah. that's important. Yeah. And it seems like we're opening the door for the Holy Spirit to work in and through us, which I would say more oftentimes than not produces joy within us, right? As we're allowing God to work in and through us for, for the good of others. So yeah, a very good, a very good point there, Father. I'm just thinking, um, thinking about outside of of money especially i know you've mentioned a few things already father but i want to come back to that especially during this advent season because you know um especially around this time of year we start getting a little panicky that uh, that well we don't have gifts for everybody under the tree yet so we got to go to the store or we got to go online we got to we got to buy 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 we got to buy material stuff but um, sometimes the giving that we're called to give is not of our material resources, but of other things. Can you give us some examples of other things we might be able to give outside of just our money in this time? Well, I think a, the biggest one is time, uh, mm-hmm. to give people time, whatever that looks like. Uh, I think about even in your own family, right, you might have a large family gathering. Maybe you have uh, an aunt who lives alone, who Christmas time is one of the few times where the whole family gathers. and. It can be easy for it just to be a big group activity, but to intentionally choose, I want to ask her about the last year. I want to sit and listen to her story because maybe nobody has in a long time. And you meet her in that poverty that maybe we would never even consider it a poverty, but there is, there's a lacking there. And so to be able to kind of uh, be there in that place. Um, but also uh, at your parishes, right? Uh, I think we all know the the tension of the parking lot, right? Or the tension <laughs> of there's somebody in my pew. Um, <laughs> these seem like small things, but for a lot of folks, this is the one time a year or one of two times where they're going to come to mass and we can get a little gruff sometimes like, well, where were they last week, right? Mm-hmm. But to be able to show them charity and kindness and patience and really to help provide the, the parish as a place of home 
I think that's an act of charity that he's, he's calling us to. So it's the, it's the time and the intentionality and, and just to notice and be with the people. Yeah. Ouch. Way to hit me where I live there, Father. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if if the host can be challenged, I suppose some of the listeners might be as well. So, yes, I will. I will endeavor, especially during this Christmas season, to be charitable towards those who might be sitting in my pews or taking uh, taking up my parking space in the parish parking lot. Thank you, Father. Good. Good to Good well, tips, good I, advice. I, I can say that because I always have a chair saved for me. And if oh, I, yeah, that's if right. I got to park on a snowbank, I will. Yeah, you know? Easy for you to say. All right. <laughs> that's very good. Okay, well, let's take another phone call, Father. We've got Marie who's calling in from Los Angeles. Marie, welcome to The Inner Life. Good morning. Thank you for being here. What a beautiful topic. I'm calling because I have a easier time hosting and giving. I have a very hard time receiving the thought of going to a family gather where, where we're going to receive gifts in exchange, I feel so uncomfortable, and I don't know how to tackle that feeling of an of awkwardness. It's mm, a great question. I I, I can kind of resonate with you because imagine you open a gift and you know it's not something that you really need or even really thought about. It's I'm always asking the question: What's the face I'm supposed to be making? What's the right level of excitement I'm supposed to have? There is an awkwardness, uh, but I think if we, we put it back in the context of um, if we love to give or if we're comfortable giving, um, part of that is a mutuality to realize that they want to offer us something, whether it's small or big. They want to show us the love of Christ, and that's hard. And I think it's okay to name that it's hard. But then just to, to maybe sit in that for a moment and ask, you know, why is this difficult? Um, is it because I feel like I don't have a need? Maybe. Or maybe it's I don't want to put someone else out. Well, that's kind. Um, but it isn't putting them out. I think it's, it's almost giving them an opportunity to be Christ, um, giving them a chance to, to say yes to the promptings of the Lord in their own life. And that, that's hard. But I, I think even practically, it takes practice to be able to, oh, well, I'm, you know, it's a big thank you. And, and we keep moving, you know, but it is hard. Marie, would you say that you have uh, that that there's kind of this? Do you think that there's kind of this self sufficiency thing that's running underneath all of this? That and I'm not I'm not pointing just you out, but I think for a lot of us and myself, certainly that can be the case. That I feel like, well, I should be self sufficient, therefore I shouldn't accept uh, the, these gifts of others. No, I think it's more of seeing the disappointment. Um, in giving something that's inappropriate or that someone doesn't and having to deal with that pain that someone's disappointed with, with what I chose for them. And also my own childhood disappointments of wanting to receive something and it didn't come, you know. Maybe there's still a little trace of that little sorrow. Of um, And the other thing is feeling that I, I was a burden to someone um, that I know is just starting a family but, you know, just this conversation has been very helpful. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for calling in and sharing your story. If you have a story of a way that you have received well or that you have given well and you've seen the Lord work in either way, in your receiving or in your giving, give us a call. Join the conversation, 888 Again, 888-914-9149. As we continue here talking about outreach to the poor, especially with our spiritual director, Father Robert Blood. 
Uh, yeah, we're going to take a short break, and uh, when we come back, we'll have more conversation and, yeah, take a take a longer journey down this path of outreach to the poor, especially during this Advent and upcoming Christmas season. We'll be right back. Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight. Welcome back to The Inner Life. My name is Patrick Conley, and my thanks to Nick Sentovich, who is our producer, and Maggie Greshel, who's fielding your phone calls there today as we're talking about outreach to the poor. And our spiritual director is Father Robert Blood, spiritual director at St. Edward High School in Elgin, Illinois. All right. Well, Father, um, I believe, I, I think, you know, outreach to the poor, my, my uh, when it comes to outreach to the poor, my capacity and propensity to to take action and to do something is oftentimes fueled by personal stories. And I hear that you might have a personal story or two of uh, work with the poor. Yeah, there's a f- few times where I found myself in in the place of, of serving the poor. And, and in both instances, I realized how unprepared I was and mm. also how that was okay. Uh, I remember once when I was in college seminary on a Saturday, I was going to go see a movie and there was a man on the, the side of the road who, you know, was asking for money and he said, God bless you. And I just kind of walked past um, and went to the movie. But the whole movie, I was just thinking about that guy, man, I, I need to talk to him. I need to talk to him. I need to talk to him. So when I left the movie, I told the Lord, if he's still there, I'll talk to him. And he was still there. And I walked right past him and I went up the seven flights up to my parking garage spot. And, and the Lord just said, you got to talk to him. So I slammed my hand on the steering wheel and I was like, I guess. I got to talk to the guy. So walked back down the seven flights, uh, went and talked to him and, and I you know, hopped up on a soapbox as I do. And, and I just started telling him, I know that you're hungry, but you're hungry for something greater. His name is Jesus. And I'm going on, you know, the greatest homiletic series of 2014, <laughs> right? Um, right. Gave him a few bucks and, and I just said, uh, but I just asked that you pray for me. I'm studying to be a priest. And right then and there, he, he pulled me in for a hug. And he, he put his hand on my shoulder and he started praying for me right then and there in the street. Wow. Um, and I just realized the Lord wanted me to be cared for in that moment in my own poverty mm. in a far greater way than I ever could for that man. And it always reminded me uh, throughout my work as a priest that it's about the people. It's always about the people. And even as a priest, sometimes we can get lost in the clouds because there's so many times where we're, we're put up on a pedestal. But just realize, like, no, we're supposed to be on the ground. And it's on the ground where Christ meets us, too. Um, and so I share that story for, for one main reason, and that's just to realize that even if you feel like you don't have it in you, even if you feel like I don't have much to offer, Christ is going to meet you in that place. Um and in another instance, a sort of a similar situation, I got a call to help out with Habitat for Humanity, which I'm not very mechanically inclined, so I didn't know what I was going to be able to offer. Uh, and I did very little throughout the day, but I got to meet the family who was going to move into that house and to have a conversation about them, about their hopes and their dreams almost gave me permission to dream about what was next in the next six months or year. And and I just realized it's it is that human connection uh, where we get to be honest about our own places of vulnerability. And so the, the Lord has just been very generous in that way to me. Hmm. Yeah. Recognizing the Lord's generosity, even amongst when we are attempting to be generous and uh, and are being generous, uh, recognizing that can be a huge gift to us. And uh, 
and that's that's good. But uh, and that's good because we again are reminded that we receive. Let's take another phone call. Let's go to Charlotte, who's calling in from Simi Valley, California. Charlotte, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Um, so one thing I wanted to share is something that my mom had always taught me. Um, because I used to, when I was a little kid, always worry about whether or not I could give her a good gift for Christmas or her birthday. And she says, you know what, it's not important, you know, the physical gifts that you give for me on my birthday or Mother's Day, she says, but it's how you are um, with me during the year. You know, are you kind to me? Are you um, respectful to me? Are you doing, you know, are you being nice to me basically during the year and and respecting the relationship. And I've taken that teaching into my relationships with other people. And going back to what Father was just talking about, being there in the moment for something where that homeless man, um, you know, was there for you in that instant, he recognized that he needed to be there with you. And it's more about recognizing on a day-to-day basis of being there for the individual, for the people that encounter us, and then stopping in the moment and, you know, just fulfilling that need to have that human contact that makes it much more meaningful than making a rush at the end of the year to give a donation, you know, here and there and not knowing whether or not the donation has any any sort of meaning. But that's just something that my mom taught me and uh, I've carried throughout my entire life. And then I always am at peace you know, whether or not I give them a physical gift, but I know that I've tried to give them the gift of my time and being there for them. I love that perspective because it it does, in some sense, take the pressure off and allows our life to really be engaged uh, with those around us. So at a young age, you kind of learn that lesson uh, from, from your mom. Do you have any tangible examples of, of how that's played out into your adulthood? Um. In terms of, um, well, being there for people, yeah, I, I usually find that um, it allows me it allows me from from day to day to not worry. You know, am I going to see this person again? Am I going to, you know, am I going to give them a gift and it's a one time gift? I don't stress about giving gifts per se because I always try to look for an opportunity where I can be there for them when they need my help. For example, if somebody needed to be um, you know, they, they needed me to take care of them when they were sick or if they need me to help help them out at work. Um, I usually take that as an opportunity to see if I have the time to give them, you know, that time of from my day to help them out in something that, that I need. Um, and and I, I, I give that as an offering for as a gift for them. So, you know, I'm a lawyer, and oftentimes people ask me questions, and they're anxious or concerned about something, and they really just want somebody to have, uh, to put their mind at ease, you know, and getting access to a lawyer is expensive. Sometimes they just want, you know, an opinion, and I will offer that to them and say, you know, I don't think this is going to be a problem, or if there's something else that I can help them out with, then I try to help them out further, and then I give that as my offering to them as a gift to them. And that's beautiful that, you know, in a particular way, you, you have your own gifts and talents with your, your work and, and you're able to kind of bring that to the table, not just because it's Advent or Christmas, but just because 
uh, it's good and, and the Lord is called. So that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing with us. Yeah, Charlotte, that's great. And and especially how, yeah, you're giving of your, your as Father said, your gifts, your talents, your time. Uh, and and it's a it's a generous gift indeed. So thank you. Thank you for calling in and sharing that with us. Let's go from Charlotte to Anne, who's calling in from Petoskey, Michigan. Anne, welcome to The Inner Life. Oh, well, thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yep, just fine. Okay, well, I wanted to tell a story about my father, who about 60 years ago now, um, started an organization called the Crisis Club in Detroit, which still exists today. And it started with a, just uh, a family knocking on our door. They heard my my father was a generous man. She had 10 children in the car. And um, they none, they didn't have shoes, so they couldn't go to school. So she asked my father, and this was on Thanksgiving, the knock on the door, right? And... Um, so my father went out and he bought them all shoes. I kind of choking up all of a sudden remembering it. But um, anyway, um, um, his friends heard about it. He was a car dealer in Detroit, and he has a lot of wealthy friends, and they heard about it, and they wanted to help too. So they started an organization called the Crisis Club, which still exists today and helps people in immediate need. And he used to bring groceries to people. And uh, as a result, my heart was always out for the poor. And I became a social worker in Detroit and a counselor in a school. And um, he had a great influence on our family. Just even though he was wealthy, he was one of the most generous men you'd ever meet. (laughs) So that's my story. That's a beautiful story. And I loved how it shows that generosity is contagious to see that his friends noticed his generosity and wanted to step in and be a part of it to see how that's affected your life. And to realize like, this is the church. This is the church that we talk about, the church that we long for, the church that Christ preached. And so it's beautiful to see that play out in, in the life of your father and, and now in your life. So I really appreciate you sharing that story with us. Yeah. Thank you, Ann. That's again, wonderful. And father, I, I see. I hear in Anne's story, really, in, in all the stories that we've heard thus far, that there's really a, a close connection between our charitable giving and charity. In other words, love—the uh, the love that we're called to love others with. Um, do you want to just uh, draw that out a little bit further? Yeah, I, I think it's important to notice that we use the same word, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all of these moments of charitable giving or, or charities we offer to. Um, it should be out of a place of love, right? Uh, What's the definition of charity? But it's like a supernatural virtue uh, by which we can choose to love God and, and love other people for God's sake. And so these are the sort of tangible ways that we get to, to choose to love God and love our neighbor. And it it's a virtue, right? This practiced habit um, that does something in us, right? We start to do it. We say the, the one yes, and it starts to fill us and expand and uh, becomes just a way of life. And so I think when we partake in these charitable actions, the Lord is building up that virtue in us. And I, and I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just in our closing minute together here, before we ask for your blessing, Father, any saints that you might recommend that we might go to specifically in and around uh, generosity and outreach to the poor? 
Well, I think there are a lot of great saints from a lot of different perspectives. Um, if you want to be challenged, you know, look up Mother Teresa's quotes on serving the poor. That they're challenging. They're stretching. Um, we have the example of, you know, Saint Francis, the the patron of the poor, whose example is has kind of founded religious orders that that do serve the the the, the needs of the poor. Um, but also from other perspectives, we have like um, Pope Leo the Thirteenth, who who wrote uh, Rerum, Rerum Novarum to mm-hmm. just talked about. Um, the generosity of, of giving workers their due or the story of St. Martin of Tours who uh, ripped his cloak in half and, and gave it to a poor man who, who turned out to be Christ. So I think throughout all of the history of the church, there are so many different examples of people who said yes, and it looked different each time. And yet it all comes from that same virtue that we've been talking about. And so we, we cry out and ask those saints to intercede for us and, and continue to give us that example of, of what it means to say yes. Yeah, and from my perspective, that's a great place to start. I mean, if if uh, if you're not in the habit of of giving of yourself, this is a great season to do it, and a great way to do it is to start by asking the help of the prayers of the saints. Speaking of help and spiritual help, Father, before we let you go, could you give us your blessing, please? Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Father, we ask your blessing in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Robert Blood from Elgin, Illinois, and part of the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois. So grateful that you were with us today, Father. Thank you for sharing your direction and your stories with us. My thanks to all of our callers, as well as our producer and uh, our producer Nick and uh, Maggie, who's taking your phone calls. We've got next the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with Father Daniel Sister from the Chapel of the Nativity. And tomorrow, please join us again here on The Inner Life for Father Carter Griffin as we talk about the peace of Christ. Very important in this time of year, the peace of Christ. So grateful that you joined us today. May God bless you richly over the course of this day.